The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And welcome in. It's Wednesday, week one. The Jaguars and the Washington Commanders coming up at FedEx Field. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, and a busy show ahead. Of course, as the name says, NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks will join us. The Jags and the Commanders up at FedEx Field this Sunday, week one, finally here. We heard from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence earlier today. The locker room was just open a few moments ago. We'll get our thoughts, John and I, from some conversations in there this afternoon. And a social media question or so a little bit later. What's the name of the show again? uh, It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. It's like this summer with the Hall of Fame. Did did Tony actually get in? I didn't hear about it. You know, we'll see. Uh, Bucky Brooks is certainly in on this show. He's from Los Angeles, California. Uh, Happy uh, regular season, Bucky. Here we are, Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. Game week. We're ready. Washington Commanders are on the clock. I'm excited to see what this team looks like. I'm excited to see after all the preseason stuff, all the things that have gone on, what Doug Peterson has done the entire offseason. I'm excited to see what it looks like in a regular season game. Last time I saw Bucky, the team was two and zero. You guys still two and zero, Buck? Still we are two and zero. We had a, we had a game cancellation, okay. so we're playing this week with uh, every intention of being three and zero. All right. Was oh, this the high school group? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, come on, unbeaten man. Bucky. Come Brooks. on, come Coach on. Coach Brooks right. over here. I forgot about that. That's right. That's they big. have to address him, Coach Brooks of the Huddle Up podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Add that to yeah, the bio. you know what? I, I, I may I may send out a memo. I may send out a memo to the team to make sure that they address me properly when I talk to them because they Fair give enough. me a hard time about uh, 904 day and Duval and all that other stuff. But I told them it's a storm coming. It's a storm coming. They going they need to catch on. Bucky, we spent a lot of this offseason trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like. So, what's this offense going to look like on Sunday after all of this offseason of adding pieces and the quarterback developing and a, a new offense being implemented from a new coaching staff? What are we in for Sunday? Uh, quarterback-friendly offense that's going to allow them to flourish. Uh, this offense has been tailored to Trevor Lawrence. There's a synergy between the quarterback and the play caller and the quarterback helpers, meaning the quarterback coach and Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator and Press Taylor, and then Doug Peterson, who's ultimately calling the plays. And then he's surrounded by weapons that should allow him to play to the level that we expect from a former number one overall pick. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be a Pro Bowl player this year, but I do expect him to make a major leap from year one to year two. And we have seen flashes of that in practice. We've seen flashes of that in the games. When now with the regular season on, I think we get a chance to really see the best version of Trevor Lawrence as he enters his sophomore year. Let's hear from the quarterback earlier today. Ask that question. What is the offensive identity? Offensively, I mean, I I think we're a really hard-nosed team up front um, that can run the ball. I think we're going to create a lot of explosives down the field. That's something that I'm really confident in with the guys we have. I think we've got a couple great backs. Um, and that, those are kind of, it goes by our offensive commandments, you know, protect the football, create explosives, um, ball security, all those things. And there's, a, there's more of them too, you know, we could talk about. But 
Um, and that's just what we live by. That's who we try to be. The list goes on and on, he says. We didn't go deep down the list today, John, but uh, good to hear from the quarterback's view. Well, I think it, it – I thought it was pertinent. The first thing he said was about uh, running the ball and being hard-nosed. Um, I think that will make it quarterback-friendly, and I don't think they want him necessarily feeling like he has to drop back and throw 50 times a game. So the other uh, topics today will be Travis Etienne James Robinson. Um, it sure sounds like they want that to be their offensive identity. If they get that going, then the explosive plays he's talking about uh, come along with it. So uh, I'm not surprised that's what they want the identity to be. Uh, let's see, Bucky, if they can run well enough to make that their identity. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the run game looks like when you talk about a by-committee approach. James Robinson and Travis Etienne, uh, those guys splitting the workload how they rotated. I, I I just want to see what that looks like because they have to run the ball well enough to be able to close games out in the second half. Throw it early to score, run it to win. That's typically the blueprint and the formula, but you have to be able to run the ball to control the tempo of the game. At some point, the Jaguars have to run when everyone in the stadium knows that they're running it and they have to be tough enough to be able to execute it. I've got a question for the unbeaten coach. Hey, good idea. Um, it's uh, With James Robinson... And coming off the Achilles, I'm not sure how much the Achilles has to do with this question. He was sort of a workhorse back the first uh, two years of his career, Buck. But you get the idea with Doug Peterson's approach, the scheme, uh, and with Travis Etienne's present, they would rather him not be quite the workhorse. How do you see that being split? How do you see that looking in terms of how they use these two guys? Uh, I think what you do is you evaluate what both runners do really well and which plays match their skill sets. Uh, with James Robinson being a more rough and rugged runner that excels doing the dirty work between the tackles, I think you see more of the power game and the inside runs. They go to James Robinson. Travis Etienne has the ability to run inside, but he's more of the explosive, what we call space player. So you'll see him get his touches on the edges. You'll see him catch screens and swings and those things in space where you can get him one-on-one -on -one and allow him to break a tackle and then it becomes a big play. Uh, the workload, I mean, I, I don't expect this team to have 35 rushing attempts. I think you'll probably see them get between 25 and 27 on a good day. But I expect it to be probably 50-50 depending on which guy has the hot hand. Does that hurt? I mean, I don't think it will. But you could make an argument that Robinson being an, in, an interior runner, kind of a field guy, not getting that many, you know, he gets better as the game goes on. Will fewer carries hurt him? I, I kind of don't think so, but I'm wondering what you think. Uh, it may take him a while to get lathered up. I mean, it's so much of a rhythm to being able to succeed in a running game. And sometimes those backs that like to kind of do the dirty work, it takes them to get to 13, 14, 15 carries before they kind of find start finding their way uh, when it comes to finding those rushing lanes. I don't know like how, how much it changes because it's a different offense. He's coming off an injury. You don't want to overwork him early, but certainly you want him to get lathered up and ready to go. So 13 to 15 touched by Jane Robson, to me, that would be part of an excellent game plan. It also would suggest to me that the Jaguars have the game on their own terms and they're able to run the ball when they want to run it and how they want to run it. I mean, think about it. James Robinson, what, eight and a half months ago, is laying on the field on a non-contact Achilles injury. You know, two weeks later, he's laid up in the bed watching Netflix, and all of a sudden now he's going to play in week one. 
that's a remarkable turnaround. I know the medical stuff has changed and science is uh, improving and all this stuff. That's it's a remarkable turn of events, Bucky, for him to be back on the field this week. Yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's not common. It used to be almost a death sentence when someone would get the torn Achilles. Going back to yesteryear, I remember when Dan Marino tore his Achilles, and he never really was the same in terms of his mobility after that. Well, now you have a guy like Cam Akers who gets hurt in the preseason but is able to finish out for the Super Bowl champion Rams in season, being able to rehab his Achilles. And so now you look at James Robinson, the quick turnaround, and – Sometimes when you talk to doctors, they end up coming out better because now the Achilles tendon is stronger. It's been tightened up. These guys have done all the rehab. And maybe, just maybe, we see a more explosive version of James Robinson as opposed to just the grind of the workhorse that we saw previously. Yeah, from talking to some of the medical people around here, this is really an injury that has changed dramatically uh, since Bucky played, since I started covering the league. I mean, it, it, it used to be that... You might come back, but if you were a runner or somebody who depended on uh, the legs and being quick, that you were not going to come back the same. Uh, Cam Akers, I think, told the, the entire league that that was no longer the case. Uh, and him coming back that quick makes James Robinson's uh, comeback not necessarily that much of an outlier. So I think Jaguars fans can look at that that the technology across that injury or across uh, players across the league involving that injury uh, makes it not inconceivable that James Robinson hits the ground running. You know, ha-ha. Uh-huh. See? That's a little bit of a Buckyism. Uh, <laughs> hits the ground running in September for this team. Hey, by the way, um, right tackle, um, Doug Peterson earlier today. Didn't want to go there, but mm-hmm. uh, finally admitted, yeah. Well, it was in the so, release. He so had to Juan go there. Taylor, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't admit who did it. But, yeah, okay, finally. Jawan Taylor is the right tackle. The offensive line solidified Bucky. Exhale. They're going to play football with five linemen on Sunday. Yeah, they are. They're going to play with uh, Jawan Taylor at right tackle. And I think some of the reasons that Jawan Taylor was attracted to this coaching staff is the physicality and toughness that he's exhibited. It's not always perfect when he plays on the edges, but you can't question how physical he can be when his game is locked in. And as the Jaguars are changing, and we've heard Trevor talk about tough, hard-nosed, physical football team. We've heard their offensive and defensive coaches talk about the physicality and the toughness and how they want to impose their will on opponents. It kind of fits. So Jawan Taylor gets first bite of the apple when it comes to being able to play right tackle. We'll see if he performs at a high level where he can keep the job. But it is part of Doug Peterson making sure they have a veteran presence on the edges, and the only young guy that we really see will be Luke Fortner, who's starting at pivot. And I, and I credit to him. I mean, uh, Doug Peterson said in his presser today that since Juwan Taylor was uh, the incumbent, that it was sort of his job to lose. I, I, I kind of see it the other way. I think it was Walker Littles to lose going into it, only because he's the younger player, and you would certainly, from a future standpoint, you would have rather had, you know, I think anybody uh, piecing together a roster would have rather had a young guy in his second year at right tackle that you know what you're going to have going forward. I think I think Juwan Taylor deserves a lot of credit. Uh, there's been a lot of noise about him uh, from fans, from observers, maybe rightfully so, in the way he performed. Uh, buckled up his chin strap and won the job. Uh, I think he deserves credit for doing that. And as Bucky said, we'll see how it plays out uh, going forward 
during the regular season. And the, the matchup in week one, Bucky, um, not quite as sexy as it would have been with Chase Young in there, right? But there's still some players on this Washington defensive front, and this should be something to watch on Sunday. The Washington D-line against this group for the Jaguars on the O-line. Yeah, this is a crazy measuring stick uh, for the Jaguars offensive line right out the gate. This is an off- a defensive line that features a number of first-round picks. I want to say three in the starting lineup when you take Chase Young out of that. And so they're big, they're athletic, they're physical at the point of attack. And look, even though they've changed up front, meaning they fired their defensive line coach, Sam Mills III, uh, they have wanted to stylistically play a little different, eliminate some of the freestyling and freelancing that they were doing early in preseason and see if they can play a little more disciplined ball. And so they know that the Jaguars are going to come right at them. And so this would be a huge test to see if the Jaguars can block them. Because if they can block them up front, there should be opportunities in the back end to be able to really take advantage of what this defense does from a coverage standpoint. We'll come back in a moment and flip it around. Jaguars defense. They've got some names that are available for Sunday in Washington against the Commanders. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. And the Jags defense facing a familiar name at quarterback for Washington. They, They rocked his world at the end of last season, in fact. We're back with more in just a moment. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Just that the, the guys on the team really look up to me and uh, have that confidence in me to lead them. And, you know, when I come to a team, you know, I definitely play for my brothers around me. And for them to give me that respect, uh, you know, saying that they trust me to lead them is, you know, the utmost respect. So, um, you know, just how I do everything as soon as I came here, just doing everything for my brothers and, and my teammates and try to get as many wins as possible playing with them. Foyer Aluakin, the Jaguars linebacker, brought on in free agency, named a captain. One of five permanent captains for the Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, along with Bucky. Bucky's out in L.A. John and I here at TIAA Bank Field. As we get ready for week one, the Jags and the Washington Commanders. Well, um, Jaguars defense, yes, Foyer, a go. He's the captain. But Devin Lloyd is also... Got a green light, Bucky, to get out there. He had a little time in Atlanta in the last preseason game. He said today in the locker room, yeah, that was good to kind of get the flow going a little bit. Just kind of get some plays, some time on task, get back. And the fact that he was feeling fine the day after the game, at least he told me today, was when he realized, okay, I'm I'm full go green light for week one. If I'm not feeling it after the Atlanta game, let's go play some football. That's a good thing for this defense. Great thing for the defense because he's an outstanding player. And even though we haven't seen a lot of him, we know the skills that he brings to the team. He is a guy who is a versatile second-level defender, a guy who can hit, run, and cover. He can come off the edge and add to your pass rush as a blitzer. He can go sideline to sideline and make plays in the run game. And we've seen him at times be used in coverage. And so when you think about a defense that really believes quietly that they could be a top 10 defense, you need more of your playmakers available. Devin Lloyd is a disruptive playmaker at the second level. And he's someone who I expect to have an immediate impact on this defense when he gets into the rotation and plays a big role. Bucky, how do you see him? You know, I would expect in this first week that he maybe doesn't play in every package that he might be playing in by week three or week four just because he didn't play in the, in the preseason. 
Uh, do you think that statement is accurate? And uh, will he be in on every – I mean, is there anything or any defensive package that he can't be in once he's fully going? No, I think he can do anything you want to see on the field. Uh, that's one of the reasons why he was really rated highly as a prospect because he can do uh, a little bit of everything and do it very, very well. Uh, for the Jaguars, they want to be multiple in how they attack. And so I believe that Mike Alwell wants to have a variety of package available uh, to be able to attack the offense. And so some of that may be having two or three linebackers. Some of that may be having one linebacker and uh, six, seven DBs. I believe they're going to throw a bunch of different things at the offense, and they're going to figure out what works. And once they find what's working, they're going to stay in it. Uh, Devin Lloyd, though, will be featured prominently in all of those packages because he's a look, he's a dynamic player. He should be a five-star playmaker by the end of the season. Is there a package where you know? Is there a package where Muma and Lloyd play at the same time, or or is Muma strictly a backup special teams guy? How do you see that? No, no, I think Muma has an opportunity to be a great player as well. It's one of the rare things where you get two linebackers that you take in the same draft class, and both of them are viable options as starters. The problem is that you have a big-time free agent, and for you, you bring him in, he's a captain, he is a guy who is recognized for his ability to be an outstanding traffic cop and a very productive player. So what you want to do is you have three to play two. And so because you have three linebackers that can pretty much play two spots because you can be a nickel, 70% of the time, Mike Caldwell and the staff have to figure out who is most effective in some of these packages. But the beauty of having a lot of talent, it allows you to expand your playbook and do more things. I think we'll see the Jaguars do a lot more than we've seen them do in the past because I believe the talent has been upgraded, particularly up front. I'm looking forward to that 0-7 front, JP. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I mean, you got to play it sometime. Yeah, so, you don't want to leave that in the back. The game's evolving to that point. They're just going to play a 0-7-4. Why not? Just <laughs> roll them out there. Roll them out there. Hey, Bucky's I, not buying it. Bucky's going to play that on Friday. Yeah. You're going to try that well, out in high school. You never know. First. Yeah. You never know. Willing to do anything. Single wing, 46 defense, whatever it takes. Just T trying form, to be 1-0 each week. T formation. T formation. Do it all. Um, hey, um, Carson Wentz is in this game. Um, there are some familiar uh, faces for uh, Wentz, of mm -hmm. course, on the other side. Doug Peterson, of course, was his head coach in Philly. And then last year in the final week of the season with Wentz at the Indianapolis Colts, the Jaguars knocked off the Colts and essentially ended their playoff hopes. Wentz in that game was 17-29, 185, a touchdown, an interception, and they couldn't run him out of Indy fast enough after that game. They traded him over to Washington. So, all right, if, if you've had him as your quarterback before and Doug Peterson and the staff. Yeah, Doug's the head coach, but uh, there's a new defensive coordinator around here. How do you prepare for Carson Wentz? Do you do you look back to Philly stuff? Do you look back to Indy stuff? How do you manage this now that he's, now that he's on his third NFL team? Uh, it's a mix of studying what he did in Indianapolis the last time you saw him, what he's done in the preseason with the commanders, and then based on the intel that you know from working with him intimately, Doug Peterson knows what makes Carson Wentz tick, not only because he coached him for a handful of years, but he drafted him. So he had to do all the research to really figure out how he's wired, what he thinks. And in doing that, he had to build a playbook for him based on those, uh, those thoughts. And so there's no one better in terms of being able to prepare for Carson Wentz than Doug Peterson. He can tell Mike Caldwell exactly 
when he was a young player and he was athletic, he didn't like this. Now that he's an older player, because the last time Doug had him, he eventually had to bench him. Here are the things that gave him problems. Carson Wentz is going to face his demons this weekend. And depending upon if he's gone to therapy and worked through some of those issues that plagued him, he will either play well or he'll go back to struggling like he struggled in the past. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I talked to the commander's uh, senior writer, my cohort, if you will, uh, on Tuesday, and he mentioned that one of the first things the uh, commanders did when they brought in Wentz was basically tell him, we're bringing you in because we want your skill set. Uh, he didn't say it, but I think the implication there is that, is that the Colts sort of brought him in to sort of manage uh, and, and, and be the veteran. I, I don't know if that's what Wentz is. Uh, so I think you will see the commanders try to bring back uh, using uh, Wentz's legs, uh, making plays, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how that plays into this week's game, but I think this team wants to showcase maybe what Wentz does well, maybe a little more than the Colts did. I, I didn't follow the Colts enough to know how much mm-hmm. they did that last year, but it strikes me that could be a difference in Wentz. But uh, I agree with Buck. This is a mind game uh, game for Wentz this week. I'll say this about Carson Carson Wentz in Washington that's a little different than the Carson Wentz that we saw in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, he had the best offensive line in football that you could ever be behind. He also had a top-notch running back in Jonathan Taylor. The wide receivers are not necessarily up to what the commanders can present when you think about Terry McLaurin and some of their young receivers. Uh, I believe Frank Wright is an upgrade as a play caller than what Scott Turner is and Washington. And so if the Washington commanders want to put Carson Wentz out there and let him run around, it's going to be problematic for Carson Wentz because he's not the athlete that he was at North Dakota State. And so if he ventures outside the pocket, as he's prone to do when things get a little hairy in the pocket, he is going to take a big shot. And that's just the way it is because he's not mobile enough to do uh, the elusive stuff that he used to do. And he's not necessarily looking to run over people like some of the bigger quarterbacks like a Josh Allen could do. So his best bet is to stay in the pocket and to try and deliver the ball on time and on target. It's not his strong suit, but he's going to have to play in the pocket because he ventures out there with those big dudes that we've seen on the Jaguars defense. It is going to be a problem when Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen and those guys start hunting. He's fixing to get hit. <laughs> yeah, see? Um, yeah, and, and I've been saying all week, to me, if – if, if the Jaguars in the first half are running in mass defensively towards some screen and posing, mm-hmm. as, as all these kids have to do these days after an interception, Buck, I don't like it, but it's how it is. If they're doing that in the first half, I think the Jaguars win the game. If they force a turnover, get inside his head or whatever that is, if the game's going in a way that they're pressuring and causing disruption mm-hmm. – then I think I think the Jaguars win, and uh, it, I think giveaway takeaway for every team in the league is crucial. Mm-hmm. I think for this Jaguars team, considering they only had nine last year, I think that is a mammoth mammoth stat for this team this they year. Had nine, seven interceptions last year, Bucky. That's, that's not, not that's not enough. No, that's not enough. So there are a couple of things that I'll say that uh, Oja, because you're you're on it. The turnovers have to come because. When you have a young, energetic defense like the Jaguars, they're going to feed off of that. You saw already in the preseason, and it doesn't count, but it certainly matters. When the number one defense played and played well, you could see the energy pick up. You could see the effort, the way they ran to the ball. I'm going to say this because 
the Jaguars have not been shy about talking about the physicality and the toughness and what they want to do. I believe the game will ultimately be decided if the Jaguars are able to hit Carson Wentz very early in the game. Somebody has to put a hit on Carson Wentz early because all quarterbacks change once they start getting hit. It quickens the clock. It changes the way they go through their progressions. They begin to rush through things, and you see interceptions happen off tips and overthrows. So if Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, someone inside, if they're able to get the Carson Wentz early and hit him, it is going to change the way that he plays, and he will remember those bad images, the nightmares that he had in the bank. Those things will come back up quickly if he gets off to a poor start. Senior writers change when they start getting hit, too, right. JP. Everybody, Just FYI. Everybody has a plan until they <laughs> get right. punched to the mouth. <laughs> That's how that goes. Hey, if you're a Jags fan on the go, we've got the ticketing plan for you. The Bundle at the Bank is designed to fit your schedule and save you money by creating your own custom plan. From celebrating Tony Vaselli's Hall of Fame enshrinement October 9th to cheering the Jags on against the Dallas Cowboys December 18th, you get the flexibility you want for your time at the bank this fall. Visit jaguars.com slash bundle or call 904-633-2000. Social media question when we return. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Year two for Trevor is a different staff, right? Mm-hmm. A different, different head coach, different coordinator, different position coach where Carson year two, it was the same same guys. And there was consistency there, you know, and and although we've seen tremendous growth in, in Trevor, um, year two for, for Carson with us, there, there there was another there was another step, there was another leap there, and and um, you know those are things that we're trying to get Trevor to right that level that with Trevor in our, in our system, and and um, you're, you're going to see it probably throughout the course of the season, um, you know, but I think time will tell, you know, with with him. That's earlier today, head coach Doug Peterson getting the morning started with his press conference on a Wednesday. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. I'm J.P. Shadrick. That's John Osier. And uh, that was Doug Peterson. And, yes, the question was about year two with Wentz. We were talking a little bit about Wentz a moment ago, and now year two with Trevor Lawrence, and he just explained the difference there. Hey, let's get to uh, social media questions. We put out the cat signal earlier today, if you will. And uh, here's the best we came up with. We've got one today. we got one. This is a good one. At Crixus underscore UG. Over under 12 carries for Robinson versus over under for 12 carries for ETN against Washington. And who gets the first sack of the year? He thinks it's Smoot. Love the show. You guys are the best, most entertaining offseason since last year. Wink emoji. All right, let's start with the running backs, Bucky. What are you thinking? Uh, if I can switch it from carries to touches, I would go over on Travis Etienne, under on James Robinson, because this first game, I don't know if they can give him a heavy workload. First sack, uh, let's play it chalk. I'm going to go Josh Allen gets the sack. Mm. I'm going to go opposite. Um are you allowed to disagree with the scout on this show? You can JP, do whatever uh, you want. I mean, right. careful. His name do whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just want to check. If I'm not here next week, he's uh, the super executive producer. So <laughs> we know why. Hopefully, the code still works. Um, I'm going to go over on. I'm going to stick to carries because that's the question. It's not touches. It's carries. So I'm going to stick to that. Uh, and I'll say over for Robinson, slightly under for uh, ATN, and uh, I'm going to go with Arden Key. Which oh. is a little chalk. I mean, uh, Bucky went chalk, mm. but I think 
Arden Key had a terrific preseason. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, you're in a nickel situation where Allen and, and uh, Trayvon get a little pressure and uh, force the uh, quarterback back inside and Arden Key picks up a set. So I'm going to go with that. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I'm going to go under 12 for Robinson and then over 12 for ETN. I think they get him involved a little more passing game, the whole thing. And I'm going to – yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going touches though. I'm changing the whole thing. I'm changing the whole thing. We're going. Ro- we're going rogue. Let's go keep answering the questions around here. And you guys can do what you want to do. And we're also going to go rogue because <laughs> Devin Lloyd will have the first sack of the season. How about that, Devin Lloyd? Oh, how about that? Look at you coming off the top row. Yeah. So I think he's going to be around the ball. There's going to be a weird play. Something's going to happen. He'll he'll get flushed out of the pocket. Here comes Devin Lloyd to bring him down. Sack. Yeah, and that'll uh, that'll get this team going. I, I I'm with Bucky. When you imagine things going well for the Jaguars in this game, uh, and you imagine some offensively, but I think the tone will be set if the defense can set the tone with uh, pressures and make wins, make a mistake, and then you've got them again running down toward the screen and everybody celebrating. Uh, that, I think, would equate a big, big day for the Jack. That would be nice to see. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for the question on Twitter today. We appreciate that. We'll be here each and every Wednesday afternoon, and you can um, send us your questions. We'll put out the signal each and every week. Let's come back in a moment. Our final thoughts ahead of week one in the NFL, the Jaguars and the Washington Commanders coming up. And remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio iTunes, Spotify, the list goes on and on and on wherever you download your pods. And, of course, leave us a comment and a five-star rating. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, presented by the Fields Auto Group. Fields Auto Group Jacksonville step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. Speaking of luxury, wait till this is finished. The Miller Electric Center outside TIAA Bank Field. Well, they continue to, to build things. The, um, the, the stadium side of the practice fields will seat about 2,100 or so when it's done. They've finally broken ground and they are in the early process of building that. The frame for one side of the indoor facility is going up near the expressway, and uh, the progress you can almost see daily. John, here it comes. Yeah, it, it's 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 been needed for a long time. It'll it'll reshape the footprint of this area down here, and uh, when it's done, I'll be able to get home quicker because the traffic won't. Hey, be Bucky, bad. where's your office going to be in this place? Wherever he wants it to be. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just hoping for a nice little office, maybe with a window, so I can overlook the field, something like that. That'd be nice for me, you know. So then I'm gonna have to go out there. It's hot and muggy and stuff like that. Sit in the office and get some work done and watch everything that takes off. Next takes to next to Peterson's office or like two doors down? Like where would where is your? Uh, couple couple doors down. I don't need to be right beside a Coach, but but just so I can get to him and ask a question or two based on what I see. That'll work. Okay, we could use that. Yeah, we could use that. You'd be live from your office on this show on Wednesdays. Wouldn't even come across the street to the studio. I could see that from you. Oh, no. Come on now. I'm over there. I'll knock that out. Have a lot of fun. You know, might need a little umbrella. The sun. The sun is beating down. It's hot out there. Muggy. 
<laughs> it is. It's Jacksonville, Florida. That's what happens. Um, all right. So our final thoughts. The Commanders and the Jaguars coming up week one. A lot of change around here. Off the field in D.C., there's been a lot of noise in the system up there, of course. But on the football side of things, how do you look past a lot of that if you're a Washington Commanders team? And certainly for the Jaguars, a lot of change around here. Not as much off the field things going on in this offseason, ownership and such. Um, that's a lot of distraction, a lot of change for both sides. How do they focus and get week one right? Yeah, a lot of change for both sides. But what happens is both teams are encouraged based on the opponent that they're facing. The Washington Commanders certainly feel like this should be a winnable game based on the record that the Jaguars have had over the last couple of years. For the Jaguars, they should also feel encouraged about being able to knock off the Commanders, not only because the Commanders have been up and down, but because they have had success against this quarterback. And so when you think about the National Football League, and even if you have playoff aspirations, well, one of the quickest ways to kind of get out to the playoffs and be in the hunt is to get off to a fast start. And so before you can go 2-0, you got to win 1-0. So if you win the first one, it gives you an opportunity to come back to the home game and get your second one. And we have seen the odds go up dramatically if you happen to start 2-0, but you got to get the first one first. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Jaguars are what we saw in the seven series glimpse that we saw the first team, then I think they've got a good chance to go up there and, and, and do the things that it will take for this team to be good. Um, I, my concern about this team overall is, is the youth and what Doug talked about in, in his presser today, sort of talking about Trevor being in year one in this system I think Doug has mentioned that several times when talking about this, that there will be some growing pains in the system because he's not in year two of it yet, uh, of just getting acclimated. So I don't know that over the course of the season there aren't going to be games where there are, are hiccups that concern fans, but that Doug's going to know, hey, he's growing. In this game, I don't know that the Washington uh, offense – is a great enough offense to get away from the Jaguars' offense, and therefore I think the Jaguars' defense can have a great impact on this game, force turnovers, and it can be a defensive game. I don't know that you can win defensive games in 17 times in the NFL in these days. It's tough. But in this matchup, I do think the Jaguars' defense can have a huge effect on the game, and I think it will have a huge effect on the game. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, thanks, JP. (laughs) That would be a nice day. It would, it would be a great thing. To your point, uh, John, you talk about the commanders not necessarily being able to run away. I think that does give the Jaguars a chance to ease into it. And talking to Doug uh, privately, he talked about the one thing that you have to do early on is he has to get the trust of the team. He's done all that to this point, but in terms of teaching them how to play winning football, the hope is that you win a couple games that you're supposed to win, you win a game or two that you don't, and then the team buys into the philosophy of the program, and then you really begin to take off. And so hopefully you can snatch one in week one, and the team really feels good about the program that's put in place. All right, that'll do it for this program today. Tomorrow we've got uh, Happy Hour Radio and then the Doug Peterson Show uh, tomorrow afternoon, 4 to 6. Bucky, you'll be in uh, Landover, Maryland on the sidelines. Yes, yes, yes. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing the Jaguars do their deal up close and personal. Hopefully it is week one and a win at the end of week one. That's what we're looking for. No doubt. That's Bucky Brooks. We'll talk to you a little later in the week, Buck. 
All right, man. We'll see you. Bucky Brooks out of here. John Osier also out of here. For Brent Reber and Joe Fortunato and our whole crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.